Hello and welcome to Chairside Live. I'm your host, Megan Strong. And I'm so glad you're tuning in today. What a great show we have lined up. And are you still entertaining the idea of placing implants? Come on, now's the time. Dr. Abai may just give you the push you need to get started. He's beginning with the basics and showing us another straightforward implant case. This basic implant case is on tooth number 30. Dr. Abai is taking us through his protocol for placing the implant and demonstrating how important case selection is when you decide to start placing implants. We hope to provide the clinical education to encourage you to jump into this exciting and rewarding aspect of dentistry. Get ready because it all starts now. Hi there, I want to welcome everybody back for another case of the week here on Chairside Live. And I want to present this case to the practitioners, again, that want to incorporate implant dentistry into their practice. Obviously, uh, I've done this in the past where I've presented cases where, that are ideal. In this situation, the patient is missing tooth number 30. So I bring the patient in initially for a consultation and examination. Obviously, I want to use my uh, radiographs and a comb beam CT scan to take measurements so that I know what size implant I want to place in this area. The CT scans are very accessible um, pretty much to everyone in private practice and it's a good tool to have. So after the diagnosis and treatment planning I'll bring the patient back the following visit and we'll go ahead and start the, uh, the, the treatment. What I usually like to do is reflect the full thickness flap. The flap design is really based on where you have your mucogingival junction and the keratinized tissue on the buckle of the tooth or the area that you're placing the implant. And uh, you could design it so that you can create a little bit more keratinized tissue with the healing if you need to. In this situation, it was a straightforward uh, flap design, uh, crestal incision, and I can go ahead and access the bone. And I want to create a flap that's big enough that I can actually vi visualize not just the top of the bone or the occlusal surface area, but also buccally and, and a little bit of the lingual as well so that I know where my undercuts are uh, and I can go ahead and create my osteotomy. So the flap is reflected and I'll go ahead and remove any residual soft tissue and then I'll start with my start drill. Uh, usually what I like to do is create that initial osteotomy with the start drill and then take the uh, parallel pin and place it into the osteotomy site and take a radiograph. This will kind of help me gauge the direction of this implant and whether I'm going in the right direction or not. Both visually, I can look at it and say, you know, uh, this parallel pin is coming out exactly where I want my screw access hole if I'm placing a screw retained final restoration. If it's not, then I can make adjustments with every subsequent drill that I'm going to be using moving forward. So in this case, I move to the next uh, osteotomy drill and then I follow that up with the shaping drill, which you see here. It's important to use irrigation when you're using the shaping drills so that you don't cause any necrosis of the bone. The RPM I use is between 800 to 1200 RPM. And I'll go slowly and create my osteotomy in order for the area to receive the implant. Now what I do is as I move up in size with the shaping drills, I want to use my parallel pin again to make sure that I'm going in the right direction. As you can see here, I'm not. So now I have a chance with the next shaping drill to upright the area and make sure that I can place the implant in the proper position. So now I can lean my shaping drill to the direction where I want to create that osteotomy. And this technique gives me a chance to place the implant in the proper position. So 
once I'm confident that I've created the osteotomy and it's in the right direction, then I can move forward and place my implant. So there you have a view of where the osteotomy is. And I'll go ahead and load the implant with the implant driver onto the torque wrench. And I'll place that directly into the osteotomy site. And I'll start to thread the implant into the bone. So very straightforward uh, procedure. You can also do this with the handpiece. And the handpiece has to be turned down to 25 to 35 RPM so that you're placing the implant slowly. And I feel confident with the torque wrench in this situation. And that's what I used. And this implant is a bone level implant. So it's designed to be placed at the level of the bone. Sometimes on the lingual, the bone level might be a little bit higher than the buckle, and that'll show on the radiograph. I elected to do a one-stage uh, procedure where I want to use a healing abutment uh, and not a cover screw. So a healing abutment goes through the tissue, uh, the tissue heals around it, and you don't have to come back and uncover uh, the implant. And once the cover screw is on there, I'll go ahead and place a couple of interrupted sutures. In this situation, I used, uh, again, a chromic suture. And as you can see here, interproximally, I had plenty of space uh, to have the implant in the proper position. And with the final radiograph, uh, you can see that I was able to uh, further upright that implant and place it in proper position for the final restoration. So another case where if you're incorporating implant dentistry into your practice. This case would be ideal because there is plenty of bone uh, interproximally, mesodistally, buccolingually, and also the nerve is far enough away from the apex of the roots in the implant where I can feel confident that I can place that implant without hurting the patient. So thank you for joining me for another uh, case of the week and hope to see you back here in the near future. Thank you for that, Dr. Bai, and we hope you'll stick around for even more implant cases on upcoming episodes. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of Chairside Live. On behalf of everyone here at Glyville Laboratories, thank you for watching, and I'll meet you right back here next time.